0: The following program is rated B-B-M-A-L-S-A. It contains strong language, sexual situations, awesomeness, and nudity. It is intended only for mature audiences. Listener indiscretions are advised.
1: Welcome to our Bliss Bringers podcast. The materials we cover encourage adults of all ages, nationalities, and sexualities to open up and embrace their wildest desires and blissful pleasures. You won't find medical advice here. Just our personal experiences following the journey of sexual evolution and education in sizzling fun topics that were definitely not taught to us in school but have wickedly blossomed into reality. We discuss adventures in ethical non monogamy, kinks and fetishes, exotic places to visit, sexy events, workshops, and tips allow us to seduce you into embarking on new adventures where each day you ask yourself what's your pleasure
0: hello everybody we are back we are back from new orleans and we have a lot of material about that but that's gonna come later first a little bit of a story i was in new orleans with mrs puppy and she pointed me out to a very cute girl that caught her eye so we chatted with her turns out she was also an instructor the instructor for the wrestling class that we signed up for so we chatted a little bit more turns out that she is not just an instructor but also a stripper a activist and an all-round awesome person so what did we do we sat her down for an interview here it goes
2: Anyway, so we're just finishing up at Naughty in New Orleans, and we took your class. This is my girl crush, by the way. (laughs) Tell us about your classes and what you do. Uh, Sure. So uh, my name is Andre
1: Shakti, and this is my first year at Naughty in New Orleans, so I'm super excited to have met some really cool people. I am a sex worker. I've been in the industry for 10 years. I mostly do professional domination work and, uh, exotic dancing, which you know a little something about. And, uh, pornographic work, mostly like fetish and BDSM. Best and lap dance, dance. ever! <laughs> Spoiler alert, best lap dance ever. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I'm just an all around Big old hoe, um, And I've been teaching people about sex and relationships and pleasure and specific skill sets and the sex industry at large. Um, for about seven years now. Uh, at this event, I taught a strap-on 101 slash pegging 101 class. I taught a fisting manual sex workshop. And then I taught a groping and grappling um, intro to fetish wrestling class, which you two were very enthusiastic about. I
2: was so excited. I'm like, I've got to tackle him and push him down and hold him down. I know, and I <laughs> still didn't get to show you guys
1: like any like chokes because you had to run out and teach your own stuff in the middle of of it, I so, know, it was
2: so sad. I was
1: Part two know. is coming.
2: <laughs> well, good thing is, is that you're local for us. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we can figure something out. <laughs> I know, it's so
1: great to meet California people all the way out here. I expected a lot more West Coast people for some reason. Mm-hmm. But it seems like um, the Midwest is a, is a major pull for this event. It seems like a lot of flyover country people.
0: Yeah, you, get, you also have to think about the less... Uh, local capability is there in terms of like uh, swing clubs Mm -hmm. the more people are inclined to go to big events like these. There's there's people around here that we talk to who only swing like a couple times a year Mm -hmm. because they're somewhere in West Virginia or whatever and basically you're fucked there. They're isolated. And not not yeah. in a good way.
1: <laughs> in the bad way. In the so, very so
0: we're living in a little bit of a lifestyle bubble mm-hmm. in the San Francisco area because yeah. we think that everywhere it's like this, but it's not. We're very lucky on that.
1: So you folks know there are a few of us porn people that are here I'm at the convention. Riley Luray's and Lance Hart and I all um, went to the masquerade ball they had last night at the hotel. And then we decided to uh, exit the hotel and go explore some gay in the area, our Lyft driver, you know, is driving us around, and she was like, "She's like, wait, why are you, you guys, you guys are leaving the hotel? Like, isn't the event at the hotel? Don't you guys want to do all that stuff?" And we're like, "We live this twenty four seven. We're like, this is our life twenty four seven. Most of these people, just like you said, are coming in for their their slutcation that they take. You know, either." quarterly or twice a year, or once a year. And they're like, so they're partying up. We're like, we're like oversaturated. We're like sex saturated. So we're like, yeah, that's really cute and all. But like, let's go out and like dance or shop or like, let's eat. Let's go to the ballet. Yeah, right. Exactly. Let's go. Seriously. Like, Lance is like, you know, my mother's friend is singing jazz at the W down the road. And I'm I like, can't... you are so wholesome and delightful right now. I love you.
0: And possibly have another orgy this week.
1: Exactly. I know. I know. I know. Well, I, when you're in the sex industry... It's like being in sales. Uh, The work is unpredictable. So sometimes you are going high velocity. You know, I might have four or five clients a week and I'm shooting, you know, one or two scenes in that week. Or I could go three or four weeks where I don't have any clients and I'm not shooting anything. But if I'm in a period of like intense, you know, sexual saturation with my work, then I'm going to be less inclined to want to be around sexual spaces, you know, in my off time and vice versa. So
2: interesting yeah never thought of it that way but it makes sense
0: which of these different activities between the teaching and the shoots and, and the best lap dance ever yes
1: <laughs> which is like my focus yes. or my Um, so I do a lot of the past few years, I've been doing a lot of non-monogamy coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't necessarily identify as a swinger, but I do identify as a member of the non-monogamy community. And I feel like we're all in that same family together, no matter how you identify, whether it's poly or non-monogamous or monogamish or et cetera, et cetera. So I've been doing a lot of non-monogamy coaching. I've been polyamorous identified since I was 19. Um, so it's been a decade now, which is crazy. I write a weekly advice column called I Am Polly and So Can You. Um, and people can see it at iampolly.net and you can submit your questions. Um, And then I also do a lot of journalism and a lot of activism and a lot of education around uh, open relationships. I'm like doing that kind of full time right now and then I'm like hoeing on the side.
0: Right, okay.
1: now, <laughs> right now, that's like my main focus.
0: And that. do you give any courses in the San Francisco area?
1: Sometimes, but speaking of saturation, um, as I'm sure you guys know, you just mentioned, like we live in this, you know, bright, shiny pink progressive bubble out there. The more progressive the area, the more resources there are going to be and the less excited people get about that stuff because they're like, oh, yeah, it's just another Tuesday night, you know. So I travel a lot and usually I'm out of the um, out of the area like for a week or two out of every month and I'll go to Baltimore or Philadelphia or Chicago or Portland or Seattle or places that don't have so much education that's accessible to people, so no regular classes in San Francisco right now, mostly it's conventions, conferences, that kind of thing. Cruises, yes, I'm really excited about this. I just got confirmation. I like I trapped uh, John Gunner after yesterday, and I was like, "I'm teaching on the cruise, right He's like, we already have you signed up." Yes, awesome, I know. Have you guys been on a swingers cruise before?
0: Uh, I have, yes. You have. Not not on a Bob and Tess one. I've heard good things about them. So what is
1: it? like? Because I've been on a cruise and now I've been in a swingers convention. So how is like the swingers cruise like different?
0: It's about the same as a regular cruise, but it's sluttier
1: people. <laughs> yes, yes.
0: <laughs> you, you you get to fuck people if you want. And <laughs> instead of activities like children's playroom, they have an adults' playroom, and you get to do whatever you want to do there. Mm-hmm. When I went, it was very interesting because you also do these trips outside. And it's it's one way to, to meet up with people and, and, and hang out and explore new territories or new cities and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So that's the same as uh, with a regular cruise. But afterwards, you get to make new friends.
1: Yay! New fluid friends. Fluid-bonded friends. <laughs> that's the best kind of friends.
0: Yes. <laughs> Naked friends, as we call them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a lot of fun, and we've seen trainings happen in varying degrees of quality. Let's just say that. Uh-huh. I saw a one hundred and one BDSM class on a cruise that had a dominatrix put needles in a in a guy's scrotum.
1: That was the BDSM one hundred yeah. and one. Yes, yes. Piercing CBT play. What? Uh, yes. <laughs> I wanna meet the woman who thinks the introductory level to BDSM is sticking needles. And then then the sub
0: was walking around and people were sitting in and and all the guys had automatic sympathy pains.
1: Oh yeah. I don't even have (laughs) testicles and I'd be like, Oh god, no.
0: And yeah, so that so as I said, there's varying levels of quality in in the training. That's there. so
1: interesting. I know I'm largely unfamiliar with this particular mm. like niche of the non-monogamy community. So meeting mm. new instructors, meeting new uh, you know new companies. I didn't even know there were so many swingers like destination uh, trips and conventions like this. It's big like, I didn't know. I really had no idea. I'll be honest with you. I had to work through some of my preconceived notions that I had about the swinger community coming out here, which is that, um, in my mind, I think, and in most people's minds, uh, If they have no real, you know, familiarity with it, they think it's a bunch of people over the age of 50. um, It's all white. It's all straight, very heterosexual. Um, You know, the men are very uh, kind of like possessive of the women and the women kind of get shuttled around. And it's basically the opposite of what I thought it was. I mean, it does skew a little bit older in terms of demographics, but otherwise... Very diverse, uh, sexual orientation wise. Very diverse people uh, having all different kinds of relationships with their partners. So sometimes they're at orgies, and then are like, you know, the couples are making. It. Yeah, it's. I, it's I, I really think cool. the
0: one real bias is swingers tend to have more money than poly mm, people. That is, yeah, that's you, true. You know the stereotype of the poly potluck. Yes. Yeah,
1: oh, the stereotype. You yeah, know, we live in the Bay Area. Yes, I go to like, a poly potluck like every week. It's not a
2: stereotype. That- <laughs> it's real life. <laughs> No, that's so what true. what I was going to say, though, is at this event, you will find an older demographic because of mm-hmm. the expense. But, yes. Um, some of the parties I go to, I personally, you know, have been involved with people from age 22 and up. So. Get it? Get it? <laughs> hey, you know, when you click, you click. Nothing I have wrong click. with that. I have to click. It's not just all about, you know, who's the hottest. It's got to be a click. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, but this event is very expensive. So you... Tend to have people that are more established financially, and those mm-hmm. tend to be people who are older and demographic. I'm sure.
0: And I think even more so with the cruises, there's um,
1: absolutely the higher the
2: price point, the
0: yes, yeah. and being able to take like a week or two weeks off to go travel and airfare and all that stuff. There, there's yeah. a bill to that.
1: See, but you can you can hack it and you can become a sex educator and then you can start getting invited to these things for free. You
0: can get get comp to get laid. Don't don't tell people the secret.
1: You know, I'll tell you a true this is a true statement. I have not had sex since I've been here. I have not had sex in, like, probably two weeks. I haven't had sex the entire time I've been here. And it's by choice. I have had a lot of very tempting offers. But I'm kind of, like, experimenting because, again... Um, you're in the sexually saturated environment. You guys know as, as educators, people who run a podcast, um, if you are doing like, you know, you're teaching three seminars in a day and then you're doing like a podcast at the end of the day, probably the last thing you want to talk about is like your brand. You know, you just want to go somewhere with like a glass of wine or like a tumbler of whiskey and like take a breather. Like, that's how my vagina feels. <laughs> <laughs> my vagina is out on like the lanai with like a glass of wine I, I right now. Felt like I like some,
2: some of the time, like, the, the podcast was a cock blocker for us on this trip. It's like you start talking to people, and then they're like, wait a minute, aren't you the Blissbringer people? And we're like, yeah. And then it's like, oh, you guys do a great job. It was nice meeting you, and they're gone, and we're like looking at each other, like that started off fun and flirty. And then as soon as the podcast thing came out, they're like, oh, oh, it was nice meeting. Were you. Were they like, like we afraid
1: be, of being like, I like you know. would like get on and tell like I don't non-consensually? Know if they thought we were
2: interested, and we were just working. Which, you know, I don't know. Yep. But I have a question for you since you, you're younger than me, but you've been poly longer than I have. What's your advice oh for please. us in the poly realm since we are new to this? <gasps> oh
1: my God. Just like general advice. You can't ask me. That's like, <laughs> tell me, just tell me something about polyamory. It's like, uh, uh um, I don't know. To not fuck it up? Like, what <laughs> do you want to, like, I don't know. Like, what do you want to know? Cause like, I, I feel like your level of familiarity with polyamory is like still my level of familiarity with swinging. So we're both hmm. like new in each other's identities. Um, So I'm not quite sure, like... I'm still not sure how how different
2: swinging is and
1: how similar it is to polyamory. It depends
2: on the people. Just like... I I would say just like polyamory (laughs) has different levels, right? Some people live with several partners Mm -hmm. and some people, like, this is their lifestyle. And then some people in swing just meet and fuck they don't Mm -hmm. need to know your name don't need to know anything about you some people have friends with benefits and some people have long-term relationship friendships with people where there's love involved but not necessarily romantic love Mm -hmm. so i think it just depends on the actual couple or the person in it and probably the same for poly
1: i think polyamory is more political I'm trying not to, like, speak in assumptions because I don't want to make any assumptions Mm -hmm. about the swinging community at all without knowing it. But I feel like polyamory is more akin to... There's a term called relationship anarchy. Have you guys heard that term? Now, again, I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. But uh, polyamorous communities for me have always been very, very queer. Not exclusively queer. They're Mm -hmm. queer, but welcoming of of anyone, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like swinging... Uh, populations are the opposite. They're largely straight, but they're welcoming of everyone and Mm -hmm. they're including of everyone. But I do feel like there are, uh, it's a friendlier place for transgender people in the polyamorous community. Um, I feel like there are a lot of uh, grassroots activism, again, because of price point, Differentials, um, a lot of swinging events and conventions mm-hmm. and whatnot have higher price points mm-hmm. than uh, polyamory uh, social functions. Mm-hmm. And so that makes it easier for marginalized people who maybe are black or brown or queer or trans um, to go to polyamorous events as opposed to swinging events. Right. Um, so I think they feel like it's more accessible to them. Mm-hmm. And I think it speaks to, um, especially now in, in the time we are in the United States, mm-hmm. I think it speaks to a lot of people's like political leanings. Mm-hmm. But... I feel like it also at its core has way more similarities with swinging than it does dissimilarities. For example, right. just like with swinging, there are unlimited permutations of how you can, you know, do polyamory. Mm-hmm. Um like you said, you could be a couple, you know, who uh, hooks up with an, uh, only other couples. Mm-hmm. You could be a couple where the man has no interest in, we'll just say a heteronormative model, um, where the guy has no interest in hooking up, but his wife does. And that uh, is totally fine with them. And, and that's their relationship. Maybe he even has cuckolding fetish or something fun where he likes mm-hmm. watching her, you know, or a hot wife He likes watching her get off. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have like a more family style of poly um, where you cohabitate with partners. Oh, we have an oh, intruder. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye.
2: Scotty-O just said hello.
1: (laughs) Some people live with their partners. In the Bay Area, I happen to know a lot of parents who are parenting in polyamorous uh, configurations. Triads, quads. It seems to be a very community and family-oriented thing. In the Bay, again, um, in that microchasm, kind of.
2: Yeah. So when I got into swinging, I Mm -hmm. thought that it's going to be... A bunch of guys who forced their wife into it right. that want to see their wife with women and that they're not going to be, you know. It, it was actually, I found a lot of the women who would pushed for it because they wanted to play with women. Mm-hmm. And what my experience was is that the guys don't handle it as well as the women. Like you get together with a newbie Woman, and he wants uh, you to just
1: like give that, to a that No, I'm like, I'm like, you deep throat that microphone. You deep throat it. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: so, anyways, I was gonna say is that um, what I found is that um, a lot of the men had a harder time watching their. I thought it was gonna be a bunch of jealous women. I was afraid my first experience that the woman was gonna grab me by the hair and be like, "Get off my husband!" Exactly, but it Get was absolutely the opposite. It was the men freaking out that their wife was having a good time with my husband. That was my my early experiences. And so I tried to be more careful as I moved on with Mm -hmm. that. I was completely blindsided by the opposite compared to what I thought it was going to be. Here's the mic. Thank you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, did he feel left out over there? Mine, mine, mine.
0: Yeah, this. It's
1: yours. That's
0: the rule. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that, that could be interesting.
1: I know. That could, yeah, that, you that, that you could just be stopped. You're like, I lost my train of thought all the time.
0: What, what I was going to get at is the stereotype on men get, in, get the couple into swinging. The women keep the couple into swinging. Mm. Because they find out like, hmm, they, first they get sort of seduced or a little bit pushed into it and then they're like, Oh, this is awesome. Oh, I'm I'm empowered there. Oh, I have all these attention mm-hmm. for me. Like like, oh fuck this. I'm not giving this up.
1: Well yeah, speaking of that, I was one of the the women on the empowered women in the lifestyle panel that they had here yesterday. And it was uh I'm gonna not get everybody's name, but it was um Ying, Ying, mm-hmm. um Dr. Zana, Riley Rays, Neo Weeks. And that was exactly what the entire panel was about was about feeling empowered, coming into your confidence, coming into your self awareness, um destigmatizing uh, you know, stereotypes about in, right. in the industry in the industry, in the lifestyle. That oh, okay, this is this is one major difference that I maybe you guys can help me understand. So it wasn't until after the panel where the women and I were all just talking amongst ourselves, saying how we personally identified, I mentioned I identified as non-monogamous and then somebody was like yeah but is that really a lifestyle and I was like oh my god you're right I don't think of my non-monogamy as a lifestyle I think of it as it's part of my identity like I cannot do really I really cannot do relationships ethically if I want to be ethical about them I cannot do a monogamous relationship I can't I've tried it and I can't do it it's no more lifestyle than my queer identity is a lifestyle you know so um that was very interesting to me because we were talking about the difference between in the beginning folks who kind of do this on the regular versus folks who take these sexcations and I think folks who they only they're destination swingers you know it's very much a social thing still for them it's very much a big air quotations
2: lifestyle but for me I don't actually see it as a lifestyle a a lot of people they come to this event they fucking go there's no relationships with the people afterward they might get their information so that when they come back for their sexcation Mm -hmm. they can hook up with those people again but um, like I said there's varying degrees of it some people don't want their husband texting someone on a regular basis and having relationships the way I've always done it is I've always had relationships and I've had long term swinger friends for four years since I started Yeah, and and. uh You know, you go through spurts where you might play with those people and then not play for a while and then play, you know, just, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like off and on. But I get what you're saying about the whole lifestyle thing.
0: People use the word lifestyle and they overuse it. Mm -hmm. And there's a thing called being a lifestyle and what they call the lifestyle as a code word for swinging, because swinging is sort of a dirty word in somebody's. Yes, yes. And it's and it's fucking annoying. (laughs) (laughs) We
1: fucking hate those people. <laughs>
0: to me, certain aspects of poly and BDSM are more lifestyle. Or being a lifestyle than swinging. Swinging, you can do like, oh, on a Saturday night, we're gonna go out to this uh, event and we're gonna take. Vice versa, you mean that
1: being poly and BDSM is more of an identity, and then swinging is more of a lifestyle. Yes, because
0: because being poly and being being kinky is something that can stick longer and that can permeate through your entire. Lifestyle organization, right? Swingy when he's
1: more situational. Yes, yeah. like like
0: with, with with us, we're in a poly relationship. Mm-hmm. We had to make some adjustments on that, right? Google Calendar to, is the
1: best <laughs> <laughs> lifesaver. It's a lifesaver that Google Calendar. <laughs> and
0: um, working around things like business trips and. um how we deal with family and 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 our other partners. You're doing
2: poly. I mean, yes. you are. That's what you guys are because, doing. Because you know, the thing is, is that people always worry about love. Like, oh, what if I fall in love with somebody? Oh, you know, what if I just share my spouse? Love is a simple fucking part. It's mm-hmm. time that you have limited. Love is. love is not finite, time is finite right, so you only have so much time to spend with everybody, so that's the challenge, the challenge is time absolutely, because yeah, this isn't something we do on the weekend, I mean we are daily communicating and trying to work in time to spend together and um, it's difficult, it's difficult time wise it is, it is really, I like to say I don't think uh,
1: there's any superiority in non-monogamy I think sometimes non monogamists can get up on their high horse and be like, that was boring monogamous people like they don't know what they're missing you know but I don't think there's I think that monogamy is the right choice for some people and I think that non-monogamy is the right choice for some people I do think we're naturally wired to mm-hmm. be non-monogamous and non-monogamy is is harder yes. it is, it's not better it's not worse it's more difficult it requires a specific Definitely. skill set that not everybody has mm-hmm. and that I think is one of the most important parts about sustaining you guys are adorable right now they are fighting over this microphone and they're trying to be they're like fighting but still trying to be like nice to each other so they're like <laughs> pulling it and then like smiling and then, now they're making it okay just talk Here, I'm gonna throw up on the microphone I'm
2: just gonna barf all over this mic right now I'll blow you away for a minute. My husband and I did monogamy for 23 years. No cheating Shut nothing. Up. We've been together for 27. Oh, you know what, though? You said that. You said I've been yeah. doing it longer
1: than you. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, I was fine both ways. I don't think I could go back now, especially with the whole poly thing. I don't think I could go back, but I was okay with it.
0: To get back to the comment that we started this with. <laughs> <I> think, <laughs> Which
2: was what exactly? <laughs>
0: about it being a lifestyle. Was it about, about your about, penis? Yes. Was it?
1: it was definitely <laughs> about my penis.
0: <laughs> he, he's going to have his own podcast one of these days.
2: You were trying to come up with a name last night? For
0: no.
1: <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Well, you haven't named it yet? Are you kidding me? With like all this reputation he's that you haven't.
2: Modest. He doesn't. He doesn't like ever admit. Like when I first was getting get together with him, I'm like, yeah, I heard all about your like dick before <laughs> you, and um, he's like, it's it's a lie. It's it's all lies. It's, it's a it's lie. Not, it's not. And then we got together to play and here it's in my face, and I was like, oh my god, I need the loop. And then I woke up the tomorrow <laughs> morning with a black eye. And yes, then I was... up
0: <laughs> There's another story there.
1: Oh. <laughs> That reminds me of the time uh, that I, I don't, I don't play with penises very often, but when I do, I remember being like a 17 year old going to my first sex toy store in Seattle. I felt
2: like you needed that drink in front of you. What is that drink? I, uh, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that? Um dosekis. Yeah, so dosekis.
1: But when I do, <laughs> I drink Dosakis. <laughs> we, um, we should get a... Uh... Rico Suave. All
0: right.
1: <laughs> uh, so I remember my first, I don't know why I'm thinking about this right now, but that's what I'm thinking about. But my first boyfriend and I, uh, we went to the sex toy store, we bought my first vibrator, and we bought a vibrating, one of those vibrating jelly ring cock rings, or jelly rubber cock was rings. It so
2: fun, especially okay. the one with the little backdoor swinger on Oh, it. yeah. It kind of like, does like the door knocker except, on your ass and
1: vibrates. except. He was exceptional, this is why, because I'm thinking about the last the last big dick that I saw. I'm like, he was exceptionally well endowed. And I'm, you know, giving him a blowjob. I'm down there and I'm like, all right, babe, I'm going to pull out this cock ring. Having no idea, I'm 17, no idea what the fuck I'm doing, right? I, I barely know to put it behind the balls. And so I get it on and I'm stretching it on and he's already completely hard. And I get it on and I start blowing him with it on and it snaps off. It's <gasps> stretched so thin oh. It snaps off, and it flies right past my eye, and that is how I almost lost my eye, giving a blowjob. You'll poke your eye out. You'll poke your eye out, kid. Oh, gosh. The Christmas Story, a porn parody.
2: Well, you know, the whole lamp kind of goes with it, you know, the fishnet lamp. I had
1: that lamp. I went to college in Baltimore, and we had a lot of kitschy, like, John Watersy kind of stuff around the house, and we had the leg lamp. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, man. But, yeah, I'm really excited. So, uh, is there anything else, like, specific about polyamory that I can, like, help kind of demystify or, like, answer for you? about you?
0: I think we got that part pretty much covered.
1: Yeah, you guys look like you're doing a pretty good job.
0: But the one, the one thing that I wanted to, to get back to is the, the mention...
1: I'm just going to be messing with you the rest of this time. <laughs> sorry. the time. <laughs> the men, sorry.
0: The mention of being non-monogamous, is that a lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people focus a lot on the labels. They don't want to be identified with a, with a particular label. Oh, we're not swingers, we're open. Labels, they don't define you, but they help communicate, right? Mm -hmm. If you're saying, I'm open, okay, what does that mean? If you're saying, I've run into people, they're saying, oh, I'm queer, okay, that's nice, but what does that mean? Do you want to blow me or not?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: just because you're queer doesn't mean that they want to blow you.
2: when someone says they're open, I'm like, does that mean I have to talk you into it? I don't know that like you'll consider it. I, I, yeah, I, I hate I mean, the I, term open. I, on one hand, I hate labels, but on the other
1: hand, I do. I mean, we we need them. Their usefulness is such that uh, they help people find community. They help mm-hmm. people find language for what they've been struggling to articulate, but they don't have the words to articulate. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can be politicized. And they can, if you identify as a label, a label is then a community. A community is then a group of people a group of people can then um you know politicize themselves and so for queerness take for example queerness could mean um i don't see gender you know it could mean people's genitals are not anywhere as interesting to me as what's between their ears kind of thing um so it could be purely sexual or it can be political because queer, of course, is a reclaimed word. You know, it used to be mm-hmm. a derogatory word. So people who reclaim it, who identify that way, tend to be um, very politicized and very like activist communities. Mm-hmm. So that's I I chose it because both of those are true for mm-hmm. me.
0: The point that I wanted to make is cert- certain <laughs> certain labels are less You're specific. It's saying like, oh, so we're kinky, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, what does that mean? Are you top or you bottom? Do you want to be set on fire or spanked or whatever? <laughs> In the same way as like, you want your scrotum pierced? Yes, want, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you you don't know, like in the same way that queer says, okay, so follow up question: Are you get interested in getting it on with me? Yeah, that's a follow up question that you don't have to ask. Yeah,
1: alternative identities do require many more follow up questions yes. than. If someone just says, yes, I'm straight,
2: you know, is if you're, if
1: if someone's like, I'm heterosexual, you're like, cool, I know who you're attracted to, you know, it works really
2: well when you're not interested in a guy, just be like, no, I'm a lesbian. Uh (laughs) If you're not (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) No, I know. Right. I have have such complicated
1: feelings about that. There's a whole uh, camp of thought in the, in the queer community, mostly like hardcore feminists who get really angry when, you know, they're like straight girls use that excuse all the time in, in clubs, just like when they do Don't want male attention, they'll just grab their girlfriend and be like, sorry, we're together. And that's devaluing authentic queer relationships. I actually don't have a problem with that because here's the thing. Men are a safety and health risk to women. And y- if you need to get out of a situation, you say whatever the fuck
2: you need to say to get out of a situation. I don't so care. My daughter is bisexual, <laughs> yes. but, we, but we joke and say she's 80, 20. Like she does like, but it's 80, 20. So she likes, you were women. like the coolest she mom ever. I'm like to, so jealous so, of so your my kids make fun of me because, well, we were talking about the fact both my kids are bi. and <gasps> what? I know and I, told my kids I said you know it wasn't a negative thing we were just talking I said statistically I wonder how common that is to have two bisexual children and my kids go mom you have gay eggs we can't help gay eggs. <laughs> but um she uses it and yeah. she is I mean I- I really consider her instead of bisexual, really lesbian because she's generally attracted to women. I like how you're just just, like you're you're actually
1: kind of like pushing her in the direction of ladies. You're like I know you
2: keep saying you kind of like men, but women. Like I feel like younger people don't want to commit sometimes because of stigmas. Mm -hmm. So actually, bisexual seems to be more tolerated by communities who are not accepting bisexuals are more accepted by straight communities right but they're
1: more stigmatized by right. gay communities right
0: female bisexuals are more accepted right oh, male bisexuals yep. that's like that's any oh you're, you're secretly gay
1: any kind of masculine queerness that's the most threatening thing you can right. you can be to a straight oh, person
2: you'll find out in the lifestyle even there are a lot of bisexual men but they hide it they don't put it in their profile. Because because, okay, so where uh, straight women will play with bisexual, will play in a room with bisexual women and just not engage, or they're like, oh, I'm top up. You, know, yeah, you can touch yeah, my yeah. boobs, but I'm not going to go down on you kind of thing. They are open, but the men are afraid if they're open that the guys are... And I'm like, so what? So what if he gets turned on by you getting your cock sucked yeah. by the girl? I mean, so what? Why is that a threat to you? And it's it's sad that a community where this should be so open is not and not accepted in a lot of instances and you would think that the swinger community would be the most open and accepting community of everyone but um, sometimes like the poly thing scares them the kink scares them Mm -hmm. so it's just like within within the gay community that some things are more acceptable than others and some things are looked down on you would think in these most um, accepting communities that everyone would be brought in together and it doesn't work that way well there's always going to be a
1: hierarchy you know Mm -hmm. in any kind of community there's always going to be you know let's take non-monogamy is the big umbrella right and then we have all like the the niche communities underneath of it um, there's always going to be because human beings by nature create hierarchies of power in order to feel superior or inferior to other people right so it's always going to be a, a community of people that's like well yeah I do A but at least I don't do B or I do C but at least I don't do D. We're and, poly
0: but at least we're not a dirty swinger.
1: Exactly right like so and people like lob that back and forth in each other and it It's in everything. It's in the sex industry. We call it the hierarchy in the sex industry. (laughs) Well, I'm a stripper, but at least I'm not an escort. Well, I'm an escort, but at least I'm not a porn performer. Well, I'm a porn performer, but at least I'm not a street prostitute. I mean, we just break each other down to build each other up. And Mm -hmm. that just, when you boil it down, that core principle just drives me insane. Like, it's so unnecessary. It gets in the way of so much friendship and connection. It does us a disservice. Absolutely. Indeed. Oh, I broke a nail. Oh no! <laughs> it's okay. It's my last day here. I'm fine.
0: <laughs> Do you get workman's comp for that?
1: No. Oh no. But um, I did work at a. Uh, I used to work at very briefly at a strip club in San Francisco, the Lusty Lady. You guys mm-hmm. know the Lusty Lady. Lusty Lady was the first unionized strip club, so they used to get things like sick leave and um, and time off and workman's comp and.
0: Speaking yep. of which, in Nevada, if you're doing uh, demos there, like King Demos, mm-hmm. which we did with, with the group, you need to get a erotic performer license, which is basically like Stop a stripper it. card.
1: Well, yeah, everyone so has in, register. So our entire there. gang
0: had stripper cards, oh God, which was so hysterical.
1: Yeah, you have to register as a stripper, you have to register as an escort if you're working so in a brothel. Well, do you have a stripper card?
0: No, I wasn't on that one. Oh, okay, I was going
2: to was... say, let's see what you got, oh baby. Oh my God.
0: <laughs>
1: I can totally see you starring in, like, a remake of The Full Monty. I'm just saying, I'm like, it's that's your calling. What would your stripper name
0: be? Oh, God. If he
1: was, like, a Magic Mike type.
0: I still remember my first experience with a stripper pole at Desire. I did find out that there's such a thing as pole burn, which oh. nobody told me uh, about.
1: Do you guys see my legs right now? Do you see how my in- my all my legs are entirely covered? <laughs> yep, these are all pole bruises. It... Hurts. Yes, I, 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 hurts.
0: Figured, I figured. I that out.
1: <laughs> You're like I never again.
0: Okay. There. there last night. How come I didn't
1: see this? No. <laughs> that thing would just swing around. It like poke somebody's eye yeah. out. Like it's a liability. He just can't do it. He can't do it.
0: All righty. I. <laughs> I think we're just about um, out of time. time. So, Andre, when people say, Oh, I want to hear her or I want to be choked (laughs) by her, where can they find you? I would love to choke you.
1: I am Andre Shakti. It's A N D R E S H A K T I. You can Google me. If you do, my vagina will come up. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, I am Andre Shakti at (laughs) Andre Shakti on Twitter. (laughs) <laughs> I'm at here yeah, take the mystery away why don't you I am uh, at Andre Shakti on Twitter I'm Andre Shakti on Facebook and my poly column is Iampolly.net. and uh, yeah I'm, thank you so much for this is the first you're, you're popping my swinger podcast cherry I've never Aww. been on a swinger podcast before so thank you you're welcome <laughs> goodbye <Bye. laughs>
0: More2Tango is a podcast by a couple in Texas who is always down to earth and often funny. You can find them at twoarmortango.com, all spelled out. And that's it for this episode. You can find Andre at Andreshaktix.com. You can find us at blissbringers.com. Make sure to rate and subscribe, it helps us out a lot. If you would like to go to Naughty in Orleans with us, go to blissbringers.com slash n-i-n. You can also click it if you don't want to go with us and just go by yourself, it's fine, we'll understand. Hello, this is Bob from
2: Couples Cruise, the leader in adults only, clothing optional cruises. You are listening to Bliss Bringers. For more information on our cruises, go to blissbringers.com slash cruise. See you there.
0: names mentioned in this show are either fictional, taken from public record, or held by people who have given their explicit consent to be mentioned.